Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. Today, we look at France. By an unfortunate coincidence, President François Hollande's efforts to relaunch his presidency with the announcement of bold economic reforms has coincided with the revelation that the president appears to be having an affair with an actress. Meanwhile, the economy continues to struggle and the government is engaged in an effort to block performances by Diodone, a controversial comic accused of whipping up anti-Semitism. So is this a case of France in crisis, or just business as usual? Joining me to discuss all this is our Paris bureau chief, Hugh Carnegie, who fortuitously is in London for the day, and also in the studio is Ben Hall, our former Paris correspondent, who's now a world news editor. Hugh, can I start with you? How far has President Hollande's efforts to kind of inject a new law into the presidency been thrown completely off course by the stuff in the newspapers about his alleged affair? The timing of the revelations about this apparent affair, which incidentally he's not denied, really could hardly have been worse. There's no doubt about that. It came out literally three or four days before this big set piece press conference, which had been flagged for weeks in advance as the moment at which he would show that he's finally got a real grip on the economy. He would reveal himself as being prepared to go further in terms of structural reforms of the economy than he has been to date. And it was, as you've characterised it, meant to be something of a relaunching of his 20-month-old presidency. Let's not forget that right now he's the most unpopular French president since the war. So the news of the affair certainly was a complication that he could well have done without. And it was compounded by the news that his erstwhile partner, Valérie Treweiler, had gone into hospital from the shock of the news of the affair. So Paris was agog at what was going on. And the speculation around the president's private life was undoubtedly serious interference. But this was a very French week in a way because the press conference held at the Elysee Palace in the Salle des Fêtes, this magnificent room hung with chandeliers, was an event that to a large extent went ahead undeterred and unaffected. Of course, there were some questions and as many British journalists have complained, rather lame questions about the affair, which Mr. Hollande brushed aside relatively elegantly. But he spent the best part of nearly three hours concentrating on his announcements about the economy. And it was interesting that the next day, all the mainstream French newspapers were concentrating very much in their coverage on what he had said about the economy. Mr. Liberation say he admits it. He's a social democrat. Yes, of course, in France, there's this tremendous debate on the left about whether Hollande is a social democrat, which is sort of halfway to an insult, or even a social liberal, a a social liberal, which is a full on insult. On the left, anyway. Hollande, interestingly, said that he was indeed a social democrat, which was something he declined to admit publicly at a previous press conference. But he said he was not a liberal. Now, 
the key thing is, what did he do? What did he say? He announced a series of measures to lift some of the burden of France's heavy labour costs on business. He committed himself to very much a supply-side economic policy. He said he was now really committed to structural spending cuts and that it was urgent. He said there was no time to lose. He really did set the tone for what appears to be a move to a more urgent and deeper as he put it, faster moves to restart the economy. So now the question is, will he deliver? Ben, I mean, you have a certain perspective on this because you were there during the Sarkozy years when there was also talk of need for urgent economic reform and perhaps more belief that a president who was a bit more dynamic and who was on the right would deliver. And he didn't do that much. So do you personally think that we have much reason, given what you know of France and the difficulty of reform there, in believing that Hollande can deliver? Traditionally, you could say that it's actually governments of the left that have tended to reform France rather than governments of the right. That's a narrative that they like to spin anyway. And you could also say that conceivably, Hollande is temperamentally better suited to reforming the country than Sarkozy, who was just too impulsive, too erratic, too easily distracted from the task ahead of him. So there are some positives for Hollande. The trouble is that some people out there, particularly outside of France, were expecting that this was going to be a big change of direction in a reformist sense. The trouble is there hasn't been much direction at all from Hollande up till now. And the best you can really say is that it's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't really presage some great liberal revolution. And what's your sense? I mean, how urgent is reform? Because, again, this narrative of France in crisis has been around a long time. If they just kind of do a little bit, push the rest off into the future, does it matter that much? I think it matters quite a lot in the sense that that's exactly what they need to do. And it's exactly what France has been incapable of doing. And France has an accumulation of problems that if they had made some modest changes over the years, they wouldn't be in the mess that they are in now. So the question is, can they get the country back on the right track and pursue those changes with discipline, restore competitiveness over a long period of time? That's the real challenge. I think the thing that has really worried the government and indeed French business leaders very much is that in the last few months, we have seen clear indications that the German economy, the British economy, the Spanish economy, the Italian economy are beginning to rebound with some momentum. And France is lagging behind in that recovery. Now, it's true that France actually didn't decline to the same degree as particularly the UK economy, for example, and certainly not as much as Spain and Italy. But there's a real disquiet now out there that France is getting hung with this terrible label of the sick man of Europe because it is not recovering as fast. And indeed, I mean, when it comes down to the real everyday economy, unemployment is at record levels. There's a real concern that there is just a lack of job creation. And I think that's what, if you like, is the new element that is driving Hollande. He realises now, and he said so in his press conference, that the results of his government so far had been too fragile and that there was now a clear need, things needed to change this year. There's also a concern that France will see a rise, substantial rise in borrowing costs as interest rates start to go up across the developed world. And, you know, for, for a number of years, they've really benefited from being very close to Germany, being perceived as a very safe bet. And that's helped them enormously with their pretty large debt burden. But that debt burden is going to get a hell of a lot heavier in the next few years if interest rates go up quite quickly. So is there anything like a consensus that, OK, they should get on with doing things or will he run into this very traditional huge backlash, people on the streets as soon as he starts trying to move. 
Politically, it's extremely interesting now to observe because on the left, there's a lot of disquiet suddenly. The far left, obviously, is beginning to make noises, calling on dissident members of the socialist majority to break ranks and join in a big opposition to what they're now characterising as a marked swing to the right. I have to say, there's no real sign yet that the masses are going to come out on the street. There is, I think, at large, a clear understanding amongst the majority of French that something has to change. And there has been for a long time, actually. What is also extremely interesting in the last few days is the reaction on the right and from the UMP centre-right main opposition party, who have been, it has to be said, somewhat wrong-footed by this. And certainly it's been interesting to observe senior members of the UMP saying, well, if he really delivers, we'll have to support it because it is effectively their policy. So, Whether this is conscious or unconscious on the part of Hollande, if he delivers on this policy shift, one of the advantageous side effects for him may be to take some of the ground away from his opposition to the right. Meanwhile, along with the argument about economic reform and the fascination with this affair that he's having, there was this other crisis going on about the efforts to ban Diodonne. Ben, can you explain what this argument is all about and why it's gone so high so that even the president at this press conference, when there was so much else to talk about, felt the need to talk about it? Well, I think one has to look at the kind of backdrop of rising political tension, disaffection with the Paris elite and the real threat that the far-right National Front is going to make some big breakthroughs in local elections in March and then European elections in May. And I certainly think that the mainstream politicians want to take a stand against this loose amalgam of anti-Semitic, anti-establishment, populist stance that Dieudonné himself represents. And that's why they've taken a very clear, across the board, very clear line against him and have tried to ban him. But, Hugh, it's a very bizarre alliance, isn't it? Because here's this black, left-wing, anti-racist campaigner, or at least he was once an anti-racist campaigner, in a kind of strange alliance with the harder right bits of the National Front. It is. It's it's very hard to unpick. It's quite confusing. Marine Le Pen, the leader of the Front National, characterised him as a friend of my father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, the founder of the National Front. So he has clear associations with the quote-unquote racist far right. But a lot of his followers insist, particularly the younger ones, that this whole kind of following that he's... Uh, apparently built up, is not anti-Semitic, it is anti-establishment. And I think you could certainly take issue with whether his supporters who say that have actually completely misunderstood the significance of some of the things he's been saying about uh, Jews. They do see him as a kind of source of dissent, disaffection, somebody who puts, frankly, two fingers up to, as Ben says, the Paris elite in whom so many young people especially have just no faith at all. Which actually brings us back to the importance of Hollande being able to deliver some kind of economic recovery. And yet, if Dieudonné is a, an anti-establishment candidate appealing to the Bonlier, the kind of rougher areas where a lot of immigrants are, I mean, those people surely aren't going to be voting for the National Front, are they? 
Well, I asked a pollster about this, and he said that there was no straight line between Dieudonné and the National Front, for example, in terms of voting patterns. And the fact is that Dieudonné does not have a coherent political message. I think what he symbolises is just this broader disaffection with mainstream politics right now, which one way or another will probably manifest itself in a big increase in votes for the National Front in March and in May. Okay, let's just uh, finish by returning to President Hollande and and his standing. I mean, Ben, British journalists, we love a nice insalubrious affair story. The French were kind of saying, you know, grow up to the Anglo press and it's not that serious. But how much real interest is there in France in the Hollande affair with the actress aspect? Are the official media right in saying that, well, the French are just different, they don't care? I think there's a lot of interest and I think it's certainly damages Alon to the extent to which he said once that he would be exemplary in the office of the president in a dig at the scandal-tainted Sarkozy, and he obviously in this sense has proved not to be. But actually, I do think there is a big difference. I don't think the French are genuinely scandalised in the way that Anglo-Saxons, to put it like that, might be. I think there is a genuine belief that they're in a private sphere and that even the president has the right to a private life. And I think That's shared probably quite broadly in France, but no doubt there's huge interest in what is, you know, a great gossipy story. And Hugh, I mean, you mentioned when we were talking earlier that Hollande's ratings are the lowest of any president since 1945. Given all this tumultuous week and the importance of what he's trying to do to turn the country around, do you think this is a presidency that can still be rescued? I think it is. And some people would think that was a pretty bold statement. Look, if there was an election tomorrow... He would lose. There's no question about that. But there's three years still to go until the next election. The right is in some considerable disarray. There's a lot of speculation about a return of Sarkozy, but it's not clear that even if Sarkozy comes back, that he would necessarily march to victory again. Of course, there's the threat from the far right, but that in itself may play somewhat into the hands of Hollande, who would be the candidate of the moderate, sensible centre. So I think it is still entirely plausible to say that there is a scenario, and certainly Hollande and his entourage believe in it, that given some kind of return to growth and, of course, a significant decrease in unemployment over the next year to 18 months, his popularity could recover sufficiently for him to win again in 2017. So I think to cap it, I would just say I wouldn't write him off yet. Okay, Hugh Carnegie, thank you very much indeed. Thanks also to Ben Hall. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.